0: When I was 12, Mama and I became homeless. There was a waiting list of about 6 weeks before there was space at the local homeless family shelter, so we stayed with a really good family friend for 6 weeks in the bedsit where she lived, which is communal living with shared bathrooms, kitchens, and laundry facilities. I loved this, as Jay, the family friend, was fun, young, and pretty. She spoiled me rotten getting me things to do, and giving me lots of time and attention in between going to work. She also had lots of different people going in and out of her room at all times of the day and night. It was what some people might call a party house. Most of the people living at the bedsit were awesome. A lot of musicians, actors, and bohemians from all different backgrounds and cultures. (laughs) I made cupcakes with a drag artist who worked in a Soho club, painted with an artist using her materials to make my mama a picture, and sometimes a goth band who lived there would come and jam, letting me play their instruments with them. They were all lovely people, and a lot became quite protective of Mama and I. But there was this one guy, named R, who Mama was a little mistrustful of, R was around 25-27, to tall, lanky, and really pale with brown, sad eyes. I was totally oblivious to anything major, but I always felt slightly different around him to the other people who came in and out constantly. The feeling didn't so much come from me, rather R himself, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it being 12. I was always an outgoing, friendly kid around everyone I met, but for some reason I was more reserved around R. Then, one night, it all kicked off. It was Friday, and my Uncle P had come to stay with us. He was 28, lean and wiry, but he looked like he could handle himself. As I said before, Jay, the family friend, was more like family to us, She's the youngest of my aunt's best friends, from the age of three, and had in fact lived with my gran, granddad and their nine children when she was a kid. So my uncle, Jay, and indeed my mama, had all grown up together as siblings. That evening, Uncle P had made macaroni and cheese for mama and me, and himself. Jay was getting ready to go out for the evening. Suddenly, there was a knock on the door, and someone saying... Come in, the door's open. Then, R appeared. I was sitting there scratching my uncle's back. Our entire family absolutely loved this activity. And after Jay told R that she was going out and offering him a can of beer, she went to get him one. Then R turns to me and says, "Hmm, I'd like my back scratched too, sweetheart. When R said this, I felt my uncle bristle, and he scowled at R, and then there was an awkward silence. Then my uncle got up to get himself a can of cider, and R followed my uncle into the small kitchenette. There were muffled voices, and suddenly we heard my uncle say snarkily, You're out of effing order, mate. She's my niece, and she's only 12 years old. Jay hurried into the kitchenette to try and calm things down, But the next thing I knew, R had run out of the bedsit really quickly, and my Uncle P came back into the living room with Jay close behind him, looking vexed. Nobody said anything else about the incident that night. Jay went out as planned. Mama, my uncle, and I had a quiet family night in. We played board games and watched TV. I did hear Mama and Uncle talk quietly about the incident after I had gone to bed, The bed was in the living room, divided by a really thick, heavy curtain, but their voices were so hushed that I could barely hear them. In the following weeks, the other residents of the bedsit tried to have conversations about the incident with my mama and Jay, but the only people that mama confided in was the drag artist and a biker guy who was really nice and kind, and I was never really privy to those conversations. My uncle stayed another few weeks and the four of us, along with the rest of the residents of the bedsit, had a good summer. I heard that R got nicked for drug possession, and I personally never saw him again after that night. The other residents talked about him probably having to move out because he fiddled their landlord out of the rent, and after six weeks, Mama and I moved into the homeless family shelter. I didn't know which sub to post this in, because I still don't know exactly what it was, human or something else. But here it goes. This happened six or seven years ago, but I still think about it occasionally. Some background information. About 20 minutes away from where I live, there's a large forested park with some historical significance. The exact events that occurred here are a little unclear, but it is understood that there were some minor Civil War skirmishes between Confederate soldiers and pro-Union German settlers. The area is supposedly haunted by those that perished during those skirmishes, particularly on one road that runs through the middle of the park. On this road, there have been several reports of sightings of spirits or hearing tapping on car windows when parked, there’s also an old cemetery off the road in the forest. About 15 to 20 people are buried here, dating back to the mid to late 1800s. I’m a bit skeptic of the paranormal, so I’m not sure what to believe. Another thing to add, there has been evidence found in this area of satanic practices: sightings of people carrying torches through the woods, also sightings of white-hooded people walking through the woods at night. You should know who those are. Anyway, here's the actual story. Myself and four friends decided to go out there at 1am one night. I was 22 at the time and was much more adventurous than I am now. We drove to the previously mentioned haunted road and parked. Our plan was to walk into the forest and look for the cemetery. A perfect setup for some weird stuff to go down, right? Nothing creepy happened to us on the haunted road so we continued to trek into the woods. The forest here is pretty thick, but I remember we found the cemetery fairly easily with our flashlights and locating it on our phone maps. The cemetery was situated right next to a giant clearing surrounded by more forest. It was just a huge circular field in the middle of the thick woods. Again, nothing creepy happened to us near the cemetery, We couldn't get a good look at the headstones because the cemetery was fenced in. We got a little bored, so we started wandering around through the large clearing. One of my friends had a night vision camera app on her phone and was looking around with it. Suddenly, she froze and was focused looking at one area in the opposite side of the field from us. She alerted us and we all witnessed what she was seeing on her camera there was a black silhouette of a person standing at the edge of the forest on the other side of the field, seeming to be staring straight at us. My heart dropped into my stomach, and I started racing back to the direction of the road while two of my friends were still looking at the silhouette in the camera. They started screaming, ''It's chasing us!'' I couldn't believe what was happening. All of my friends started running in a different direction, not in the direction of the road. I knew this was the wrong way back to the car, but I didn't want to get split up from them, so I followed them. We ended up running through a swamp and got lost in more woods to get away from whoever or whatever was chasing us. The GPS on our phone stopped working, so we couldn't figure out where we were for a good two hours. We aimlessly walked through the pitch black woods until we finally found a main road, and got back to the car. I haven't talked to any of those friends about what happened that night. Like I said, I'm a skeptic, so my theory is that it was a person doing some weird stuff in the woods at night. Others might think it was something paranormal. Whatever it was, it was the creepiest thing I've ever experienced and has made an impression on me. Australian dude at LAX insisted that I eat a hot dog. I didn't know how else to sum it up, really. This was almost 12 years ago, and I had just had my first solo holiday traveling the USA. I had just finished my university degree in Sydney and decided on a six-week US holiday to see what my next steps would be. I had some family there, so it was great spending time with them. But this was also during the GFC, and so I was a bit stretched for cash on my return. So when I had the option of spending 10 hours in LAX, or going outside of the airport like a normal person, I decided to become an Australian version of the Terminal. I didn't drink much back then, so I didn't spend my time at the bar like I would now, but I alternated between the charging stations and Macus McDonald's. I was so bored. I think LAX is a lot better now, but back then there was very little to do. Back then, pre-alcoholism, I was super fit, I was 21 and looked very baby-faced. This may be relevant. Eventually I decided to go through security and wait by the gate. That was when this weirdo came along. I'll call him Gary because I forgot his name and he kind of looked like a Gary. Is this the plane to Melbourne? Yeah, it is. Oh, good. I'm in the right place. Yeah, you are. I'm Gary, by the way. Nathaniel. Nice to meet you. Likewise. I go back to reading, but he seems to want to keep talking. Is there any food around here? Actually, not really. You'll have to go back through security and get something from the food court. Oh, great. Do you want anything? "'Nah, I'm fine, thanks. I I just ate.' "'Are you sure?' "'Yeah, thanks. It's a kind thought, but I'm actually pretty full.' He then leaves. Another family arrives with a couple of teenagers, and Gary returns with two loaded hot dogs. "'I'm not joking, but you have every right to be skeptical of internet stories. They're both covered in sauce and overflowing, dangerous, drippage territory.' I was really hoping he had napkins. He says, Here you go. And offers me one. Ah, thanks, but I said I wasn't hungry. I bought it especially for you. Thanks, but again, I'm, I'm not hungry. He shoots an angry look at me. Like, seriously, piss off, dude. I don't want to eat a hot dog in front of you. I get up and pretend to go to the bathroom to escape. I then stand away from the dude rather than sit back down. The gate was going to open soon anyways. He stares at me, and it looks like he offered the hot dog to the teenaged boy from the family. He was probably around 16. He's then talking to them, and they're laughing politely. I didn't have much to do with him, except he was still talking to the family who happened to be seated near me. He mainly talked to the teenaged guy and shoot me a weird glance every now and then. I usually stay up as long as I can to tire myself out, and then I'll try to sleep the rest of the flight, assuming I'm arriving in the morning at my destination. I couldn't help but feel like he got up to something while I was asleep for about 6 or 7 hours. But I guess we'll never know. The dude was such a creeper, and I've never forgotten the weird interaction. It was honestly almost comical. Every time I've been back to LAX... I wonder if he's going to pop back up. He's probably in Melbourne now with a hot dog stand or something. Like many, I've been quarantining in my house in California, mostly spending the time hopping on work calls and gaining weight. A friend told me to post this story here, so... Here it goes. One night last month, around 10.30, I was eating dinner. I live in a rural area where houses are spaced farther apart, and the main town square has got to be at least two miles from where I live. In essence, the police department. So I get a knock on the door, that's pretty odd at this hour, but I open it anyways, expecting it's a package. And there are three dudes in these dirty yellow hazmat suit type things with face shields as well. I was taken aback and mumbled something like, Uh, hello? One guy was holding a clipboard and he introduced themselves as a disinfection team sent by the county and that groups of them had been going around the towns in that county to inspect houses to make sure they're sanitized, etc, etc. I wasn't buying it, so I asked them to give me a minute to call my neighbor. I asked him about the disinfection team and he told me it could be a scam and to ask for a warrant or call the cops. I went back to the door and asked for a warrant and the men were gone. I walked out into my driveway baffled and glanced down the street. No cars in sight, just the warm night air. I contemplated calling the police but didn't think it was worth it. I went back inside, locking all the windows, and headed upstairs to watch some TV. An hour later, I was still watching TV and I hear something fall over in my backyard on the patio. I heard it clear as day because the patio was below the bedroom window to my left, which was wide open. I was too lazy to check it out, so I stuck my head out the window to look around, and nearly died on the spot when I see those guys in hazmat suits messing with my back door. I reacted quickly, yelling, "'Hey, assholes! The cops are on their way!' That sure got his attention. He yelled something unintelligible and hopped the backyard fence. I saw the other two guys running from around the side of my house. They all hopped the fence and ran off into the woods beyond my house. I picked up my phone from the nightstand and dialed the local police, explaining the situation as I could still see their yellow figures disappearing into the woods." The cops came, and we made a creepy discovery. The two guys who had been around the side of my house had been trying to pry open my dining room window with a crowbar. I asked them if they could check it for fingerprints, and, I shit you not, one of the officers responded with, What do you think this is, the CIA? Honestly, that pissed me off. It seems small town police officers don't really give a damn, at least the ones where I live. The men had been wearing gloves anyway, so it really didn't matter. But let this be a lesson. I hope no one else will fall victim to this kind of... scam. This happened back in 2009, when I was around 13. I was visiting my mom in Utah for the summer and staying in her apartment complex. My mom wasn't the most stable parent, and she would often ship me off to her friend's place in a nearby unit when she was having an episode. It was around 10pm on a typical hot summer night, and my mom shooed me off to Jane's so she could organize or clean the apartment. The apartment complex was a cul-de-sac surrounded by around 8 buildings. Jane's apartment was catty-corner to ours, so it's less than 200 feet away. I wasn't in any rush or worried as I did this all the time. As I got to the end of our yard, I noticed a man, probably early 30s, stumbling down the sidewalk opposite of mine toward the main street. I was a little surprised as I hadn't noticed him prior, but assumed he was drunk and leaving someone's apartment. I just brushed it off and kept going. I walked until I noticed Jane up on her second floor balcony. Her balcony was on the left side of the building, shaded by a tree, and her front door was on the other side. Once she could see me, I stopped and called up to her, and we were chatting about mom for a minute or so, and that she was happy that I was staying over. Suddenly, I hear a scuffle of shoes on concrete. I turn around and the man that had previously been stumbling down the sidewalk was sprinting full speed at me from around 150 feet away. I immediately froze, completely in shock as I didn't understand what was going on. As he bounded toward me, quickly closing the gap, I turned and yelled up to Jane who couldn't see what was happening because of the tree. It was my first reaction and I really have no idea how that could have been helpful. Because why am I not running up the stairs by this point? He was around twenty feet away, noticed Jane and took a complete right turn mid-sprint, and ran behind the adjacent apartment buildings. I took my chance and quickly ran up the stairs as fast as I could. I can never know for sure what his intentions were, but I definitely feel that if Jane wasn't on her balcony in that moment, I would have been a goner. I have two sisters, the oldest being 18, and we went to see Frozen the Broadway musical. We went via train on the way there and back, and we went there as a surprise for my younger sister for her birthday because she loves Frozen. So we took the subway, but that wasn't the main place where we experienced this encounter. We went to a better railway, or one that was just higher quality, and we felt safer on the way there and back. So when we were going back, we sat down and some pretty tall white dude, I would say around 40 or 50, maybe late 30s, with glasses, came onto the train car we were in, which was pretty empty, and then he chose to sit in the seat right next to where we were. There are these two seats which face each other, which can both fit three people. I was sitting next to my oldest sister, and the guy sat down right across from me, and right next to my middle sister. He held this brown paper bag, which may have had his lunch or something. He tries to start a conversation with one of us, which my eldest sister would have started to talk, but he didn't bring children or even his wife if he had one, which was a red flag to her, so she chose not to respond. Me and my other sister followed suit, and the guy tried to talk to each of us to no avail. Then the guy sort of pinched my middle sister that was right next to him. So, on the next stop, we moved carts, but we stood next to the door beforehand for a faster exit. The guy just stayed there and said, screw you to us, and I glanced over to him for a few times, and I saw him just staring at my middle sister. We left the cart and moved to another one. Once we left, we reported it to the conductor. My oldest sister's greatest concern was me, because I'm really talkative and naive, to her at least, so. She thought I would speak to him and give away information, but I kept my mouth shut. I still wonder what was that man's intentions, and what was in that bag, and really am curious if he was just some psycho. Hey there, friends, I hope you guys enjoyed this fantastic collection. A Creepy Encounter Stories. As always, this was a really good collection, really interesting stuff there. These collections always are interesting. I don't know why I keep saying that. They are. I just leave it that they are interesting and you guys can take it from there. Hopefully you did enjoy it. If you did and would like more content like this or content that's, you know, like super totally different, kind of like comparing toothpicks to tire swings, please do consider joining The Nevermore. To join the Nevermore, all you gotta do is hit that subscribe button and the and little you know bell icon next to it, and then you're part of the Nevermore. That's just kind of how it works. You can support the Nevermore by going down and clicking any of the links down in the description, or supporting me on Patreon and Coffee. All patrons get access to these videos typically between an hour and several days before the general public. Plus, you get things like merch, stickers, uh, posters, other things I want to throw out there. My patrons got an extra discount on my merchandise this month, so, you know, whatever I can do for my patrons, I will do for my patrons. I hope you guys enjoyed this, I hope you're having a fantastic week, and I hope to see you in the next video, but until then, my friends, much love and sleep well.